Hey, Oasis, I'm excited to preach a message to you today called The Waiting Room. I want you to put in the chat, The Waiting Room. I really believe God has so much for us, but one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is patience. We need to wait on God to do what he has called us to do. And I really believe there's a, there's a prophetic waiting that is taking place that is really going to usher in an unbelievable move of God and incredible blessing. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to read verses 18 through 22. I got some worship team on the stage with me uh, so that I don't have to feel so alone all the time filming in my house in the living room by myself. My wife has been there, but it's good to have some smiling faces in the room. And so we're going to be reading this scripture, and I really believe God's going to speak to you uh, in a powerful way. Verse 18 says this. Yet what we suffer now, come on, if you are suffering, make some noise. Nobody celebrates suffering. Nobody gets happy about suffering. We love to celebrate outcomes while complaining about processes. And I really believe that there's this interesting thing that God does that I don't know why. I wish he wouldn't, Lord, please stop. But I don't know why suffering is in this recipe to get to the glory, the goodness of God in my life. Why can't it just be blessing, 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 glory? But no, it's hard time, COVID-19, racial injustice, and all of a sudden the glory of the Lord hits the church. I don't understand this recipe. But what I do know is that it says this, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Somebody say now and later. He's basically saying, hey, I know you're going through something now, but wait till later shows up. I know now is really difficult. Now you feel like you're not going to make it, but wait till later shows up. And he says, I don't want you to compare your suffering with your suffering. You know, I've done that in, in this last, like, couple weeks, I'm like, first COVID, now this, right? And, and I understand what I'm saying. Like, I, I did this this week, and I got depressed. I literally compared my suffering with my suffering. I was like, yeah, so in January, Kobe died, and that was terrible. And I cried, and, and, then, and then the pandemic hit, and, and then now racial injustice, and I'm finding myself slipping out of my revelation of God's goodness when I start to compare suffering with suffering. He says, no, don't compare suffering with suffering. You, you compare suffering to the glory, and if you do it, you'll find that what God reveals later, what you went through is nothing, Com nothing. Imagine what we're going through as a nation, and God has the audacity. Church, that is nothing compared to what I'm about to do through you in the next season. Everything you went through is nothing compared to the place you are going to. It says, if you suffer now, it compares Nothing at all to the glory that will be revealed to us later. And then it says something interesting. For all creation is, is, is waiting. Tripped over the rug. It's cool. I'm going to fix it too on camera. For y'all OCD people that have stopped reading the scripture because it's like the rug is crooked. So all y'all OCD people, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. It says for all creation is, is waiting. All of God's creation is in the waiting room. Have you ever walked past a frog and has ever come to mind that that frog is waiting? 
Have you ever been on a hike and saw the trees and saw, you know, maybe a butterfly? And it, has it ever come to mind that those butterflies and those trees are waiting? Have you ever gone anywhere and seen a waterfall and maybe gone fishing and caught you a, I've never been fishing really, a bass? What kind of fish? A trout? Have you ever thought that the trout were waiting? You ever been horseback riding and maybe thought that the horse was waiting? The Bible says that creation is in the waiting room. Well, what is creation waiting for? They're in the waiting room, the Bible says, waiting eagerly. Eagerly. Creation has a prophecy in its spirit. I've been waiting anxiously. When are you going to change the nation? When are you going to, Lord, when are you going to do this? They're waiting eagerly. I got to teach our church how to wait in the waiting room. You don't wait in a waiting room in the kingdom anxiously. You wait eagerly. The reason why we don't do this is because waiting rooms are, like, not great in, in our life. Like, if you go to the waiting room at the DMV, like, they give me a little sticker, and it, it says, like, G49. You've been to the DMV recently? It says G49. And then the lady, you get your ticket that says G49. And then the lady through the loudspeaker goes, A7. And you're like, yo, y'all on A? Y'all on A up in here, really? And you become acutely aware that you are in for a long amount of waiting. Or maybe you go to the doctor and they put you and you're waiting for some medical results to come in. Waiting rooms are not great. Waiting is not great at all. Matter of fact, if you want to be a billionaire, invent something where somebody doesn't have to wait. You will get paid. If you can skip the line, if you can skip the process, we got these little belly fat things where you tie it around your waist, and you stand there looking all crazy, shaking up all your fat, and you're eating Doritos, and you just think the fat's going to come off. But it's, you can't skip the process. We just don't like to wait. I hate waiting. Matter of fact, I go, my favorite restaurant is Granville, and they have the thick cut pork chop. Oh, I almost fainted even talking about it. <laughs> Getting woozy, man. Granville's been closed. All this social distancing. They have the thick cut pork chop. And me and my wife go there all the time. And we order the thick cut pork chop. If, if you eat pork, you got to get the thick cut pork chop. If you don't eat pork, you got to get the thick cut pork chop. If you're a vegan, you need to eat the thick cut pork chop. It'll change your mind. It's unbelievable. It's clearly the best thing on the menu. But what happens when you order it, the, the, the waiter or the wait, waitress will tell you, Hey, you, I, we want to let you know that this takes an additional 25 minutes to prepare than anything else on the menu. It is the best thing on the menu because it takes the longest. Ooh, I am preaching. It feels good to be back. Did you hear what I just said? I said it's the best thing on the menu because it takes the longest to prepare. So many times we want... To, to be in God's presence, and we like, God, I don't want what you have for me. Just give me the dollar menu. Give me the value menu. Give me the thing that I can get the quickest because I'm hungry and I need to eat. I don't want to wait. But no, God is saying, if you want the best, it takes a little longer to prepare. I got to put you in, in the waiting room. And I order this thick-cut pork chop, and I'm typically, this happens to me every time. I'm not making this up. I turn to my, my wife, I turn to Christine, and I go, babe, I should have got something else, man. I'm starving. 
The whole time I'm waiting this additional 25 minutes, I'm regretting what I ordered. And I regret the waiting. I regret what I ordered until the pork chop shows up. <laughs> then all of a sudden, I'm glad that I waited. See, the whole time I was upset that I waited, but when it showed up, I was glad I waited. And, and, I, and I'll be willing to wait longer. It was so good. I'm telling you, what's going to show up in this season, if you wait not anxiously, but eagerly, you'll be glad you waited. Somebody put in the chat, I'm glad I waited. God has so much for me. I don't want a blessing off the dollar menu. I'm preaching, Abel. I don't want a blessing off the dollar menu. I want all that God has for me. But I got to be willing to wait eagerly. All of creation is waiting. And it tells us what... Creation is waiting for. I never even thought about this. It says it's waiting for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Woo, during COVID-19 and racial injustice, everything's going on in this nation, we know who God's children really are. See, earlier in Romans 8, it says this interesting verse that, that the, those who are led by the Spirit are the children, the sons and daughters of God, not those who go to church, not those who pray a prayer, not those who post, not those who read those bi their Bible. Those are all great things, but those who are led by the Spirit. And Paul brings this up because it's important. If you read all of Romans chapter 8, he talks about living life in the flesh and living life in the Spirit. Living life in the flesh, that's your, all of your emotions and your feelings and your body. Living life in the Spirit is where you live in complete reliance on the Holy Spirit. So what, what Paul is suggesting is that you cannot get rid of your flesh. You cannot get rid of your emotions. Your emotions are awesome. They're amazing. They can actually help you make some incredible decisions. But you don't, you want to feel your emotions but be led by the Spirit. You want to feel your emotions but be led by the Spirit because it is those who are led by the Spirit who are the children of God. Not just have it, led by it. Led by God, led by the Spirit of God. And I looked up that word flesh, and it's an interesting word. I had a conversation with a couple of people that grew up in church, and they were taught that the flesh, operating the flesh, is simply when you do a sinful act. You're in your flesh. If you get angry and you Cuss somebody out. You in your flesh. If you, you know, get, you know, um, road rage, you're in your flesh. If you see a girl and you look too long, you're in your flesh. No, you can lead worship in the flesh. You can preach in the flesh. You know how I know? I've done it. All the word in the flesh means is to do things unaided by God. It, the original Greek word is the untouched, untransformed part of a human. So if you use that part to make a decision, you're in your flesh. The unaided part. Is your mind and your thinking being aided by God? So if you post something on Instagram fighting injustice and God didn't help you make that post, you posted it in the flesh, even if it was true. And the Bible says the flesh profits nothing. You will gain nothing. Here's why. God doesn't want you to gain anything that you got without him because he doesn't want you to think that you works. I'm going to say it again. God doesn't want you to think that you works. If we do things without God, if we get married without God, if you get, you got a different, your, your boo in your flesh is different than the boo you would pick in the spirit. The, the, the boo you wrote down, come on, single people, you wrote down somebody in your journal, 
you better write that person you're looking for in the spirit. They might not be as tall, though. <laughs> they might not look the way you want them to look. They might not even be the same race that you wrote down. They might not come from the same part of the country. We have to be operating in the spirit and be led by the spirit. And the Bible says all of creation is in the waiting room, waiting for these people to be revealed. And what a perfect time for the true children of God to rise up during this time. And the Bible says a frog is like, come on, Oasis. A butterfly is like, come on, church. All of creation is like, come on, church. We need you because we've been subjected to God's curse in verse 20. But, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Oh, wait a minute. So not only is creation waiting, but it's groaning. And it's comparing the groan of creation to the pains of childbirth. Um, about four or five weeks ago, I was blessed with a brand new nephew, Silas Cantalon. And I've been thinking a lot about all these things happening with racial injustice. And one of the things that I've been finding um, comforting is that I have white nephews and white nieces. And white nieces and white nephews have black uncles and kids are being raised together. And I, I was talking to uh, my brother Marvin yesterday and we were talking about how God has done so much in our community that we've never seen anywhere else and that I don't have to pretend that I haven't seen it. I've seen God move in race. Our church is so many different cultures, so many different people are married. My wife is white. My pastor is white. What pastor grows up in the South in the 50s surrounded by racism? You're going to hear from Pastor Philip next week about how his family, a lot of people in his family were racist. And what pastor grows up to pass his church to a black man that grew up around racism? We're seeing a great move of God in our church, and I believe that creation is groaning with the pains of childbirth about who really is led by the Spirit of God. My little buddy Silas, I think he's five weeks. His mom, Leanne, is unbelievable. So is dad, Sam. Got to bring up the rest of the family. So is his brother, Asher. And so is his sister, Ray. <laughs> Got to bring them all up just in case they're watching. They're definitely going to say something to me. Um, but we stopped to give Leanne a gift um, when she was in labor with my, my little nephew, Silas. And um, she said, and if you know Leanne, she looked completely normal. Looked like she was just having a coffee while she's having contractions and just chilling. And she says, oh, we're getting ready to go to the hospital. We're getting ready to go to the hospital. Um, because not just that she was in pain, the pain was getting more frequent and it was getting more intense. So she knew that what she was expecting, I love that they call moms expectant mothers. We need an expectant church. We need some expectant believers. We need an expectant oasis. We need a church that in the middle of our pain, we, 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 we deal with the pain because we're expecting. I feel the glory of the Lord up in here. And so here's the thing. She's like, okay, I'm getting ready to go to the hospital and, and here's how I know, 
the pain is getting more frequent and, 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 the, and the contractions are closer together and they're more intense. The frequency and the intensity of the pain determine the closeness of what she was expecting. And the enemy wants you to believe, the enemy wants us to believe that the frequency and the intensity means that what we are expecting is way off. But no, 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 no. The creation is groaning with the pains of childbirth and with the frequency in, in, increasing and the intensity increasing, that doesn't mean it's far, church. That means it's close. And they tell, when, when the baby's getting ready to come out, they tell the mom to push. I'm telling you, you better push with the truth. You better push with peace. You better push with hope. Because God's getting ready to deliver his, his people. Let me tell you something. We're getting close. I should have called this message, we're getting close. Because we're getting close. Because the pain is frequent and it's intensifying and we're getting close. Can you hear creation shouting, Oasis Church? I feel the spirit of the Lord. Creation is shouting, we're getting close. We're getting close. It's painful, but we're getting Close. I remember my wife had Bailey, and uh, she was getting close. She got an epidural. And this season, this last six months, has been so painful, I need an epidural. I don't even know if it's going to work for what I've been going through. But, like, we got to try something. Like, I, I have nothing. I have nothing left. Like, I'm just in pain. Like, can I get an epidural? Like, the Lord's like, how is that going to change racial injustice? I don't know. But at least I won't feel anything from the waist down. I don't know. But I need an epidural. Like, like, I need an epidural. And I'm grateful that my wife got the epidural. That's a miracle in medicine. But God doesn't medicate. He heals. And I feel like we're praying for medicine. And God wants to heal. And you ask a burn victim, sometimes the healing's worse than the injury. And here's the crazy thing about Leanne, my wife, some of the moms. They got more than one kid. All of that pain, all of that suffering in childbirth, and the baby's so awesome, and they love the baby so much, they love what the pain produced. They say, let's do that again. Let's have another one. Let's have another one. You, I have never seen a mom hold a child after childbirth and say that wasn't worth it. They need some, they need some space in between. <laughs> but most of the time, they're like, let's, let's do that again. Creation is groaning with the pains of childbirth right up until the present of time. And I really believe that we need to know this, and it says... We're waiting. I realized this week that what God created when Adam and Eve sinned, it became a fallen world. And I think the danger of this season is to think that we are waiting on the world. And the scripture should, would suggest that the world is waiting on the church to be led by God's spirit. And John chapter 8 a woman committed adultery. And I feel like in some ways, that woman is America right now. America has committed adultery. This, this, this nation was supposed to be founded on God. Our money says in God we trust. In God we trust. 
And I feel like in some ways we've turned away from that and, and the adultery has been committed against God with our own desires and wealth and all that stuff. I feel like that America is the, the woman caught in adultery. The church in that story is supposed to be Jesus. And all I've seen on Instagram are the religious leaders with the rocks. I'm going to say that again. I got to walk away on that one because somebody mad. I'm going to just turn away from me because I know you're mad. But where's Jesus in this story? The church is supposed to be Jesus in that story. They're supposed to be fighting for the woman that the system is trying to condemn, but also trying to get the religious leaders to put the rocks down. If you are operating like Jesus, you are asking for justice for the woman and telling people to put their rocks down. I really believe we need to be a church. If we're going to see this move of God, we got to be a church that's fresh out of rocks. I don't have any more rocks. He says, well, here's the thing. No, let me just speak to somebody. You can keep a rock. Here's what qualified them. Wasn't like rocks are bad. This is what qualified you to hold a rock. He who is without sin is allowed to throw it. He's who without sin. You can throw a rock. You just got to make sure you don't have any sin. Let me tell you, church, this next 18 months of your life is going to be increasingly difficult if God sees you throw a rock and you have sin. You, you got to put that rock down. You got to put that rock down. And that, that'll be hard for you to do. Because I busted a whole bunch of people upside the head in the spirit with a rock. <laughs> a whole bunch of people. I busted somebody's head in the spirit to the white meat, to the just, I had a rock, just blah, blah, just like, bloop. I'm stoning everybody. And God said, put the rock down, bro. Like, I could have stoned you. You could be stoned for what you've done. And God said, you got to put the rock down because creation is waiting for you to be led by the spirit. Justice is waiting for you to be led by the spirit. Peace is waiting for you to be led by the Spirit. Hope is waiting for you to be led by the Spirit. Everything you're believing for is in the waiting room, waiting on you to allow my Holy Spirit to come and lead you to all those things. Psalm 37, 34 says this, wait for the Lord and keep his way. We need the work of justice, but it's got to be the way God wants it. Don't do the work, but that's not the way. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. And he will exalt you to inherit, inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. So it's saying if they're wicked, then God's going to make you a steward over what they're doing. You don't need to worry. Wait for the Lord. Don't do this in your flesh. Don't do this in your emotions. I get it. We're angry. But, but wait for the Lord and keep his way. Keep his way. I'm telling you, somebody's going to have to step into holiness Right. You cannot if, if you. You cannot have an ounce. Of what you profess to hate in you, if you're going to heal it, not an ounce. You, you cannot. The, the Holy Spirit, when God anoints the Holy Spirit, they, they, they call they used to anoint the old kings with oil and the Holy Spirit would come upon them. If you are baptized in water, but not anointed in oil. You're just going to mix when you collide with wicked. And you'll end up being wicked yourself. 
You got to wait on the Lord and keep his way, keep his way, keep his way. Hebrews 6 verses 10 through 19 say this. And I love that we're we're, we're doing all the work. This is going to take some work, y'all, and I love that we're doing it. And it says this, for God is not unjust. This is verse 10. So as to overlook your work and the love you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. Who are the saints? The people made righteous by faith in Jesus. I got to read that again. This is going to encourage somebody. God is not unjust. God is not unjust. He's not going to overlook the work, the love that you have shown for his name. And he's not going to overlook your service. He might overlook your shouting, but he won't overlook your service. And I'm not saying we can't shout, but I don't want to hear. Heaven doesn't want to hear from a shouter who isn't serving. This has to be serving people. This has to be serving the nation. You have to serve. And the Bible says he won't overlook that. And verse 11 says, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish. It is your hope that puts you to work. And it says that you won't be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. There are two things every believer needs if they want to inherit all that God is doing. The Bible says faith and patience, belief and waiting. Sometimes we believe for stuff so strong we don't wait. We think it's belief and pursuit. God, follow your dreams, follow your dreams. If your dream is a God dream, it runs faster than you. You'll never catch it. You will never catch a God dream. God dreams are inherited. They're given through faith and patience. God's saying, I need you to believe and I need to put you in the waiting room. And it's coming. And it's coming. Especially if you're working and you're loving and you're serving saints. It says, verse 13, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. When I was in junior high, we used to say, I put that on God when we were trying to tell the truth. Sometimes we say, I put that on my mama. Y'all remember that? Put that on my mama. Put that on my kid. I put that on God. I put that on this. I put that on that. We were trying to, to say and profess that we were telling the truth and we were swearing by someone we respected or cared about even more than our own. Like, hey, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't put that on my mom and tell you God couldn't find anybody to put it on. So he put it on himself. He says, my character is so sure and who I am. So promises don't come to pass based off what the nation is doing, based off of who you are or who politicians are but who God is. So, so, I, so that's why he doesn't put it on anybody. He says, I'm putting that on me. So if I said it to you, don't matter what CNN says. If I said it to you, don't matter what Fox News says. If I said it to you, don't matter what you saw on Instagram. If I said it, don't matter what article you read on Facebook. What did you read in the Word? Because if you read it in the Word, it's happening. It don't matter if you didn't read it in the pundits, in the politicians. I said it, I'm going to do it. I put it on myself. He says, surely I will bless you and multiply you. That's why God wants to bless you, so he can multiply you. And then he said, and thus Abraham, there we go, 
There's that word again. Having patiently waited, obtain the promise. We talked about my little buddy Silas. And it's interesting enough that Abraham's promised son was Isaac. But when he was struggling to wait, he had an Ishmael. And somebody in our church, if you are not careful, you're going to give birth to an Ishmael in this season. The wrong, it's the wrong thing. Abraham had to wait. And because he waited, and when he waited properly, he obtained a promise. Verse 16 says, for people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs, he's trying to convince you. When he desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things, the promise and the oath, the promise and the oath. He said these two things are unchangeable. I want to invite the worship team to come. The promise and the oath, these two things are unchangeable. The promise and the oath, the promise and the oath. What is a promise? Maybe the thing you're believing God wants you to do in this season for our nation. The promise and the oath. And the oath, let me just say it this way. The promise is what was said. The oath focuses on who said it. Uh, I'm going to say that again. The promise is what was said. The oath is who said it. The promise is what was said. The oath is who said it. And the reason why this is important is because that scripture we just read said these two things are, are unchangeable. What was said and who said it. God does not change. He's not a man that who, should lie. He does not change. And so in seasons of my life where I'm struggling to believe the promises, I got to remind myself who said it. There's somebody out there right now you're focused on what was said, and you're not focused on who said it. You're focused on what was said, but God, I thought you said this 2020. I thought you said that you were going to do this, and I feel like God is wanting me to tell you you're too focused on what was said, not who said it. What was said, not who said it. And I think as we pray and go into this next song that we're going to see some powerful, powerful things be reminded to you some powerful powerful things and you're not just going to be reminded about what you're believing for you're going to be reminded who said it because if you look around our nation it feels like some of these things might not happen you can be kind of scary I mean I it's scary right now it's it's real right now and I get it I, I'm believing for justice we need justice but we can't be so focused on the fact that our nation needs justice, that we forget that God was the one who said he would bring justice. He's the one who said it. I love the fact that we're asking people to speak out, but I don't want to hear sometimes what somebody has to say about justice. What does a word have to say about justice? Because my Bible says that God will bring justice. And so if you have heard from your friend about justice, but you haven't heard from God about justice, your friend doesn't have enough character to uphold a promise. Your friend doesn't have enough glory 
to post our way into revival. The spirit of the Lord. And I'm not saying don't speak out, hear my heart. I'm saying that he said there was two unchangeable things. The promise and who said it. What was said and who said it. Everybody's changing. People are not going to stop talking about this when it's cool to talk about something else. Now it's cool to be woke. Everybody's talking about it. But five years from now, when people stop talking about justice, the heavens are still shouting it. That's why we got to know and put our trust in who said it, not just in what was said. So when days seem dark, we know my God wants justice for this nation. My God wants mercy for this nation. My God wants grace for this nation. There is a blessing coming to America as we can get and believe for everyone everywhere to behold the face of Jesus Christ. So I want you to stand to your feet, lift your hands to the heavens. We're going to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. from God that we would make the choice to be led by the Spirit. It just simply means, Jesus, that with everything going on in this nation, with pandemics and, and racial injustice, we're just submitting and saying, Holy Spirit, you lead the way. 
you need to lead us in the way. And as we do that, God, we're going to see this nation rise to the values that it professes to have as the sons and daughters are being revealed. And God, we don't mind if in your sovereignty you, you put us in the waiting room because the Bible says it's faith and patience that inherit the promises. And so, Lord, we wait on you. We're not waiting on our nation. We wait on the Lord. We're not waiting. We're expecting uh, uh, for things to happen in this nation, but we wait on God. We trust you, Lord. And God, we ask that you lead us to make this land, this home, United States that you've given us, that you would lead us to make it better, that your glory would be revealed in this nation and in our cities, God. Show us the way we need your help, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for everything you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.